the Elevate Yourself podcast is brought to you in partnership with Athletic Brewing. Athletic Brewing is beer that is brewed without compromise. It tastes just like the hard stuff, except you don't get any of the baggage. So no hangover, less calories, less sugar, super yummy, and you can drink it any time of day. Encourage you to check them out at athleticbrewing.com and use code ELEVATE30. That's right, code ELEVATE30 at checkout for 30% off your first order. Do it. Hey now, and welcome to the Elevate Yourself podcast. I'm Rob, and I am thrilled to get to be the host of this show. I feel super lucky. I work for this awesome company called Elevation Health. And in each episode of this show, I get to have a conversation with folks from all different walks of life about how they elevate themselves. It's my hope that these conversations will make you think, force you to change your best, and as a result, help you get a little bit closer to becoming the best version of you. Libby, thank you so much for doing this. I'm so thrilled to get to speak with you. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I appreciate the invitation. So just briefly kind of tell folks a little bit about your origin story, maybe a little bit about your background, your education, and then ultimately the work that you do today. Absolutely. Um, At the moment, I'm a small organic farmer on Colorado's western slope, Um, have a very small kind of farmstead with laying hens with alpacas, with all of the vegetables that you can get your hands on, but came about that in a very roundabout way. My background is in food and nutrition, um, but prior to that, I worked in restaurants and catering companies for a long time, and I did what I always consider very fancy, very tall food, very sort of overhandled, overdone food, and that's something that I've really moved away from. So definitely a background in food and nutrition, but where I find myself going now is the freshest, most whole food foods as simple as possible. That's fantastic. And I love some of those great descriptive words you shared there. Um, Talking about your work today and where you've kind of pivoted to, um, I would love to hear some of maybe your first principles for uh, the simple that you speak of. Absolutely. So I think that it boils down to basics and that we have gotten away from the source of our food in this country which is that we don't know where it comes from, we don't know how it's raised, we don't know what's in it. So I really advocate for a return to that simplicity. And I honestly think the best way people can do this is by cooking and eating at home as much as possible. I think that that's the easiest way to know what you're eating and to have control over that. And I think as somebody who's spent a lot of years, as I said, in restaurants, I know exactly what goes into that food and it's substantially more salt, sugar and fat than perhaps you might want to eat. And in many cases, a lot of unpronounceable or mystery ingredients as well. So I want people to cook at home simply, healthily. It doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be elaborate. It doesn't have to take three hours. But having some basic cooking skills, I think, is the number one best thing that you can do for your health. It's really, really great. Obviously, you're echoing a lot of my my first principles as well, so I love that. It reminds me of uh, Wendell Berry's uh, "The Pleasures of Eating" um, and uh, that 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 concept of uh, of cooking your own food as much as you can, participate in the process. It's great. Absolutely, and I think Michael Pollan said it really well when he said, "Eat food, not too much, mostly plants." That's a great philosophy to follow, but almost. In- 
in this country, because we don't have that that true food culture that many of us, you know, might think of as, say, an Italian food heritage or a Mexican food heritage or any of these, we tend to think of food that's almost something to be shoveled in between other activities, which is why we eat so many of our meals in the car, why we have so many meals delivered. We think of food as something just sort of to be accomplished, not something to sit down as a meal with friends or family, or even on your own. I'm actually a big advocate of good solo dining. People will say, oh, well, I don't cook because it's just me. And I always think, well, do you not put your seatbelt on in the car because it's just you? I mean, that, that logic doesn't hold. So even if you live or eat by yourself, you deserve good quality whole foods just as much as you would if you were cooking for 20 family members. So I want people to get away from the idea that, oh, well, I just don't bother. It's just me. I, I just don't subscribe to that philosophy. I love the seatbelt analogy. And as I can say, as a uh, single bachelor who cooks 97% uh, of the meals that he eats, um, you are uh, validating my health behavior. So I, I certainly appreciate that. <laughs> um, you mentioned your 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 work now, um, and I guess I would love for you to share a little bit about small farms and small farming um, and why this matters. I'm, I'm passionate about this, and I, I would just love for you to to share why why does it matter? Why should we support small farms? Absolutely, and I I love talking about farming and small farms because we have this iconic idea in America of the American farmer, and we all can see this person in our mind's eye. You know, he's wearing his coveralls, he's got a stock of wheat in the mouth and he's surveying his land. And the problem is, is that, you know, he is an older white guy. That That's the honest truth of it. And the average age of farmers in the United States is 58. And over the next 20 years, we are going to see the largest change in ownership in American farmland that's ever been seen. And that's because these older generations are either dying out or they have another generation who doesn't want to work on the farm. And so a farm is being sold for development, for cropland, for a thousand different things that maybe are not what we think of as that iconic American farm. So something that I feel very passionately about, I'm a first generation farmer and I'm, you know, in my mid, 40s, I'm middle-aged, technically speaking, and it's very rare for people of my age to go into ag. And so we really have to encourage people my age and younger and women and people of color and underrepresented groups and all of these things to go into farming. Because if we don't, American farming as we think of it isn't going to survive. And the, the truth of it is, is that we think of that iconic American farm, but that's not the reality. The reality is tens of thousands of acres of commodity crops, primarily corn and soy, because that's the majority of what we grow in this country. And they're just being taken over by larger and larger corporations so that they can control those feed systems. So the small farm is dying out for many reasons, because of land costs, because of access, because of development, because of a thousand different reasons. And if we don't collectively support small farms, like anything else that we choose not to support, pretty soon it's not going to be there. And we're going to wonder, why are there no small farms? And it's going to be because we didn't support them. Sort of like when Amazon first came around, 
uh, all the local bookstores disappeared. Now, obviously they're experiencing a resurgence, which is great, but we looked around and we said, well, where are all the bookstores? Well, we put them out of business and that's what's going to happen with small farms as well. So that's something that I feel very passionately about. You can grow a staggering amount of food on a small farm, so it doesn't have to be 5,000 acres. So that's something I, I really like to talk to people about. Support your small farms. That's so great. Um, and I appreciated so much of what you shared there. Um, I, I'm going to play devil's advocate for a second. And I, I'm going to pretend I'm the person um, that goes shopping and preparing for a meal. And uh, I've got a family. And, so, you know, I, I hear you. I hear you, Robin Libby. I hear you. I should support small farms. But what, what am I supposed to do? How, how, how do I how do I how do I support a small farm? Absolutely. It's one of those things that's easier said than done. And so the first thing that I always recommend is that people go to localharvest.org. And that's a great nonprofit website where you can punch in a zip code or a county or a city and you can find what's available to you in your immediate area. Because my feeling is you always have to meet people where they are. And I live in a rural county in western Colorado, which has the highest number of organic farms per capita in the entire state of Colorado. So of course, it sounds very easy for me to say, well, everyone should just support their small farm. But precisely to your point, you're in the city, you're busy, you've got a family and that kind of thing. And you think, how, how is this so easy? My point is, there are small local growers near you. In many cities, urban growing is really having a moment. And this is something that I absolutely love to see. People are reclaiming vacant lots, parking lots, abandoned places, all of these things. Because as I said, you can grow a shocking amount of food in a small space. So people are doing this kind of guerrilla farming, if you will, and they're taking this little abandoned space and making that into a farm. So my point is, is that no matter where you are in the country, I promise you that someone nearby you is, is growing something. And even this can be something as small as maybe buying your eggs from somebody who raises backyard chickens because everybody has limits in terms of what they can do. So my feeling is, is that something is better than nothing. So even if you're not able to go out and pick your own peaches or something like that, find what you can do and spend your money there. But the best recommendation I have for everyone is a CSA. And if you're not familiar with that, that stands for Community Supported Agriculture. And it's basically a subscription model that many small farms run on. And it's really simple. All you do is pay up front at the beginning of the season. So this might be in March or April. You're going to give the farmer your money then and then you're going to get a share of the produce for the entire season. This is a great program. The farm gets money. They get capital at the beginning of the season where they really need to invest and you get fresh food all season long. And there are a thousand different models of this. You can do it for meat, for fish, for dairy, for vegetables. But a CSA is a fantastic way to support small farms. So if you have one of those nearby, highly recommend supporting that. So many great recommendations in there. I really, really, really love that. Um, and uh, CSAs, and I know more and more businesses um, are also offering that as well to employers. So certainly something to maybe talk to your employer about. Um, how can we get involved with this as an incentive for our employees? Absolutely. And we're starting to see prescription programs. And I'm sure you're familiar with that with your work is that we're starting to see actual prescriptions being written for fresh produce. And precisely to your point, companies, of course, are 
not only wanting their workers to return to the office, obviously we know that's a big debate right now, but they want to offer things that people want to see. So being able to do your CSA pickup at your office, I mean, that's fantastic. And then people can eat healthier and maybe the employer, as with many other health and fitness programs, maybe they see their healthcare costs go down. So that that can really benefit everyone. And farmers markets, of course, are a great option as well. Farmers markets, very popular, really, really took off even more so during the pandemic, obviously. And I just always want people to know that ask, you should always ask questions at your farmer's market. And what I mean by that is, unfortunately, like everything else, there are always people willing to take advantage of a situation. And I have seen in many cases, farmer's markets where they're just bringing in wholesale produce and just reselling it. So look for a grower only market or ask questions about, about where the produce is coming from, where the vegetables are coming from, because it's something that you you want to know about what grows and what's in season where you live. And so asking those questions and knowing that helps you be a more informed consumer. I love that. And it's also that that goes back to our idea that you're participating in the process, right? That as the consumer, you're participating in it. We are all making choices. Um, and I think that that goes tr true as well. If you go, if you do go out to eat somewhere, like where is this coming from? You like, these are things that you can ask and be aware of. It, it's your body and it's your choice, right? I feel so strongly about that, you know, and there's a lot of conflict, obviously, around voting and does my vote matter and all of these kinds of things. And we can talk about that forever and ever. But I honestly think your dollars are the most powerful and potent vote that you have. Where and how you choose to spend your money is a direct statement about what you think and the food system that you want to participate in. So I say put your dollars where it matters to you. And that that can be something that's that's you feel that this actually has a direct impact because, you know, your large farmers that we spoke about previously, they are heavily, heavily subsidized by the government and a small farmer is not. So it's one of the reasons that you might see things at the farmer's market and you think, oh, my goodness, why does this cost so much money? This tomato cannot possibly cost four dollars. That's not even possible. But the point is, is that that small farmer didn't get any of those big crop subsidies from the federal government. So it's not the big commodities, the corn, soy, wheat, sugar, all of those big things. You know, there's no broccoli lobby. OK, there's no lobbying organization for kale that just doesn't it's not out there, but there's plenty of it for cattle and corn and all of those things. So sometimes when you're buying local and when you're buying direct, you get that sticker shock. But you have to remember that that money is going directly to that farmer and by extension back into your own community. And I think we're seeing a resurgence, sort of a, a movement away from globalization at all costs and kind of a little bit of a look inward that says, how can I support this small area where I live? And people are growing food where you live. I guarantee it. Sometimes you might have to search it out, but they're there for sure. That's so excellent. And uh, the other piece of that is that maybe it's a $4 tomato. Um, but anytime we, uh, I think of like the last time I was with my grandparents and their farmer down the road gave them a bunch of strawberries um, the color on those strawberries looks a little bit different than the color of the strawberries you buy in the grocery store. Um, and there's no way you look at that color, that bright red and go, this is bad for me. Um, there's just no doubt about it. It's so true. And I think you do have a higher appreciation. If you paid a lot for that tomato and somebody honestly 
cradled it like a little baby to hand it to you and you you cherished it that's not something you're going to waste and one of the things that i talk a lot about in my my presentations and talks is that we waste more than 40% of all food produced in this country and that's that's appalling there's simply no other way to say it that's appalling so if you either grow you know you have a little herb garden or anything that you grow you know that what you grow is so precious to you because you know how much effort went into it. And the same is true of small farmers. They are putting their blood, sweat and tears into that. And so there is a higher price point, but hopefully you treat that food with more respect and care. And, you know, when the United States pays less on a on a basically an income or a budget level percentage wise for its food than any other developed country in the world. And that's really a key thing to think about because we're very accustomed to cheap food in this country. We've been trained to think that food should be cheap. And that's something that I don't agree with because you can see this effect into our healthcare system and this knock on effect where we're seeing that nine of 10 of the leading causes of death in this country are lifestyle related diseases. So if we care more about where our food comes from, that being the most kind of immediate medicine that we can take, and we take it maybe three times a day, what can we do to take better care of ourselves and by extension, our community as well? So I, I do want to tell people that that food is going to be more expensive, but you do have to remember that our food is artificially cheap in this country and we pay for it at the register. We pay for it through taxes, through the farm bill. But the biggest way we pay for it is through our healthcare system. And that's something not not to be forgotten where those hidden costs exist. Oh, my goodness. We're going to need to have you come back and do a whole episode. And we'll talk policy and then also food waste, fire me up on the food waste. That's such a good one. And so much of food, majority of food waste is carry out that people take home, put in the refrigerator, don't eat. And then they just waste it. And it's a whole cycle. And then we're not anyways. That's a whole whole other deal. But uh, I think that it's very important for people to think about it. And you may raise such a good point about the care of the prep of the meal and doing it yourself. And all of that comes back into that. Um it's, it's so great. We are unfortunately running out of time, so we got to move to rapid fire. This has been awesome. Um, I'm going to pepper a couple questions at you here real quick. Um, what is one thing that you do every single day that elevates you? Honestly, cook my own meals from scratch. We don't eat out. We don't eat out. And I everything we eat, I make from scratch. And that time is worth it to me. I think it's the best thing I can do for myself and for my household. That's so great. It's so cathartic, isn't it? I always think that like with a meal, I go, I, every, every, I, I'm, I don't, every, but you know, every meal when you do, it is so, it just feels, there's such pride in the, in the food. Best small purchase for less than 50 bucks. I'm going to keep it to food. Less than 50 bucks, just a small purchase to support food. Good Parmigiano Reggiano. And I'm not talking about the stuff in a green cardboard can. I'm talking about serious, legitimate Parmigiano Reggiano because it's so flavorful and so impactful. A little bit will elevate anything, but you also get the rind. And when you're done, you take that rind and you put it into your pot of beans or your pot of whole grains or whatever, and you get an extra bonus. It's like a gift with purchase. So it's crazy expensive and worth every single penny, in my opinion. Excellent. And uh, can't go wrong. Quick dinner. Uh, you are making your own food. You're making your meal. Oh, quick, gosh. Quick. Absolutely. Um, pasta e sessi, which is a super simple dish of, well, a shell 
or a small pasta with chickpeas, a rich creamy tomato sauce. It's so nourishing. And especially in this fall time where it's kind of warm, but also kind of cool. Absolutely the perfect meal. Start to finish that thing's ready in 20 minutes. No question. We talked about principles for food systems and, and farming and life. Do you have a first principle quote or a saying that uh, kind of guides you? Learn to cook. Mm, yes. <laughs> that's, it. that's it because you'll realize what it takes to make good food. And I'll be honest, you'll start looking at restaurant food and think, wait, $28 for this? No, 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 no. I can make this at home. And you, this is no shade on restaurants. You know, they need to stay in business as well. But I have to be honest, learn to cook. It's, it's the best thing you can do for your health. I love that so much. There's a game we play at my or that I play at dinner with my family when we make a meal, and they go, "Do you know how much this whole thing would have cost at the restaurant?" Like, like it's it's uh, yeah, it's great. Um, favorite? Do you have a song or music that you listen to while you're cooking or during dinner? Um, anything that's always joyful. So I'll be completely honest, this is a terrible answer. Total silence. I actually really respect that. I want to hear the ingredients in the pan. I want to hear what's happening. And my farm's name is Quiet Farm. And that is because we absolutely relish the quiet. So I know that's an awful answer. Um, I simply want to have the peace and quiet of cooking in my kitchen. I can hear my roosters. I can hear my alpacas. That's it. That's all the soundtrack I need, genuinely. I was going to say, it sounds like you have the best soundtrack in the world. We don't need any Spotify. That's excellent. Oh, my goodness. Libby, this has been so much great. This has been so great. We're out of time, but I, I do hope maybe we can come back and uh, continue this conversation another time. Thank you so much for doing this. It's awesome. Thank you for having me. As I mentioned, I work for Elevation Health, and we've been in business for 27 years, creating customizable solutions for your fitness and wellness needs. That's right, folks, 27 years. And in our 27 years, we've seen it all. So whatever your needs might be, we got you covered. From fitness management and online training to on-site classes and integrated technology, we help small and large groups alike get healthy and stay engaged. I encourage you to learn more about us at contactelevation.com and to follow us on social media at elevation.health.